Welcome to The Spawn Chunks, episode number 45, and it's Monday, June 24th, 2019. My name is Johnny, but at some point I was name-tagged Pixlriffs, and joining me as always is the master of the void, Joel Duggan. I don't know about master. Well, you haven't died yet, that's the important part. Oh, oh I've died, just not to the void. Yes, and, 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 and much much to the chagrin of your chat, apparently. I've, I've, yeah. seen, I've seen people in your stream just waiting for you to fall into the void, and it uh, hasn't waiting, happened yet. More like chanting. <laughs> There, there's an ongoing there's an ongoing uh, wish fulfillment i think uh probably even a pool at this point mm -hmm. as to whether or not i'm going to fall into the void but no i have a very strong pinky finger it is mashed down on the shift button uh and keeps me in place uh and uh it's it's become stressful <laughs> we'll yeah. say we'll say mm -hmm. we'll say that i'm sure you know exactly exactly what i'm talking about uh, but before we get into all of the minecraft stuff we have a little bit of housekeeping to keep uh to keep everybody up and informed on the quarter is coming to a close we're coming really close to the end of june and rather than trying to squeeze in our quarterly hangout at the end of the quarter, we're going to push it a couple of weeks. Uh, we're looking, I think, into the first week or weekend into July, just because mm -hmm. uh, there is the Canada Day holiday. I've got some family stuff. And then also the July 4th holiday all happening kind of like July 1st, 4th, like all through that weekend. Uh, yeah. And July 1st happens to be a Monday, I believe, right? Yes, and we're actually going to push our next roundtable episode until then, because normally we would have a roundtable episode for you today, but this one kind of snuck up on us because, uh, yeah, the, the the month basically ends on a Sunday, and so we kind of thought, well, the 24th should, seems a little too early to be having a roundtable episode, but then we realized that was going to be July 1st. So since there are five Mondays in July, we'll probably bookend the month with roundtable episodes we'll have one on the first and then one i think on the 29th i guess that works out as uh but yeah as far as the hangout goes for our patrons we're probably going to do that like you said the first weekend in july or if that doesn't work out for the majority of people maybe we'll shoot for the second weekend but that's yeah either going to be around the 6th or 7th or perhaps the 13th or 14th depends yeah, how and, it all goes and we handle all that kind of stuff in the discord just because that those are the people that can tune in and those are the people that it affects the most so we'll toss some dates and times up for options once johnny and i have had a chance to figure out what's good for us we'll just kind of say all right well a couple of these dates work for us let us know what you think and we'll we'll try to get everybody but obviously it's it's one of those things that not everybody can always attend live and it's too bad but when you've got a couple hundred people that want to check it out then i mean there's not much you can do yeah um, if you're interested if you're listening to the main show and you're interested in participating in some of these upcoming hangouts don't forget uh we mentioned the link at the end of every show but just in case you don't always uh watch that uh, listen to that far if you end up like skipping over the the end credits as it were uh patreon.com slash the spawn chunks you'll be able to find all of the details there and i think anybody at the discord minor level and above can type in the text chat whilst joel and i are talking about the show and we can answer questions about the show and exactly what goes on that's the, the purpose of these hangouts is just to check in with everybody make sure they're happy with how the show is going and maybe get a little bit of feedback about how we handle certain topics and what else we can talk about in future mm -hmm. uh, also uh if you can listen live uh, at any level so even the base level yes. you can always tune in it's, it's just the the interaction and the typing the live chat happens at the higher but you can always just listen in and it's available after the fact, you can go back and listen to the one that we did in April. I think it was around April 6th, give or take, but it's posted yeah. on the Patreon. So anybody that is a patron, uh, that is a Spun Chunks member, they can listen to the old Hangout and 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 see what they are. Get get a, uh, get a feel for how they how they operate. Yeah. 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 
So, so what uh, what have you been up to in in the end? We've I feel like we've we've been in the end, both of us, on streams lately. Yes, in the end, this is going to be a very end-focused episode. If you couldn't tell from the title and the art and so forth, but yes, I've been I've been doing some stuff in the end. I've kind of steered away from it. I did a, a full week of activities in the end, and I only did a few of them last week. Uh, kind of mellowed out a little bit, but I stole an end crystal from the dragon's respawn sequence, so I now have one of those invulnerable end crystals that's shooting a beam out towards zero zero. And for those of you who've sort of seen this happen before you've probably seen it on one of cub fans videos cub fan 135 from the hermitcraft server moves these basically every season at this point i i referred to it in my video as his signature move because he does it quite a lot uh he he did that for in this season i think it's in a satellite that he's built and yes. he's positioned the, the the build around it so that it looks like it's firing like a beam of data towards some undisclosed point in the distance which is is pretty cool it's like a communication satellite kind of thing i still don't know what i'm going to do with mine but it still looks pretty cool um in today's minecraft survival guide episode i fought the ender dragon using beds which was more difficult actually than i expected it to be because the dragon's ai is kind of bugged and it doesn't dive towards the player during the fight in 1.14.2 at least uh so so that was more tricky than expected or if not more tricky then at least there was a little bit more waiting around for it to dive down onto the bedrock portal and sit there for a while so that i could you know systematically blow it up uh, but I, I i challenged myself to not attack the dragon with bows or swords or axes or anything i was just blowing it up with end crystals and beds and tnt and that went pretty well. That went surprisingly well. I didn't blow myself up. I did get flung into the air about 50 blocks up at one point, which was quite entertaining and looked pretty good on the the replay mod footage I'd recorded of it. Uh, but aside from that, <laughs> my, my big project this week was doing some map art, which is something I've done in the past a long time ago and not really had the patience to do since, but I figured as a tutorial it would be good to do. So I went out into a a snow field i leveled out an area of that covered it all with snow built the minecraft logo locked the map of that using that new cartography table function that i think is actually brilliant that you can lock a map so it doesn't get changed even if that region updates and somebody is holding a map of it uh, so i did that with just the minecraft logo and then i wrote the survival guide around it so it looked like the title card that pops up at the beginning of my videos and now i have that as a map on my wall and I think it's brilliant. I'm really, really happy with how it turned out, even though I had to smush the font a little bit and, and it doesn't really look like the font that I use for the survival guide kind of text. Uh, it still says the Minecraft survival guide and it's very clearly meant to be the logo I put at the start of every video. And I'm, I'm really happy that it's there now. I watched a, a chunk of that stream. I was working last week and I was kind of lurking and, and watching the map art. And it's something that I've always been really intrigued about because being an artist, it would be kind of a cool thing to try. It yeah. feels really labor intensive because it's 128 by 128 square yes. area that it you're is. dealing with. Eight, right? eight chunks by eight chunks. It's Whoa. not small. No. Yeah. And, and something that I knew but did not know necessarily the implications of which i think is a kind of a neat thing to relay to to our audience is that you can actually get shades it's not just the 16 colors uh because you can get different i guess it's different versions of the of that blocks color on a map by raising or lowering it vertically yeah yeah it, it adds a highlight or a shadow to it depending on whether there is a block like vertically above it the next row or uh no it is just rows i'm pretty sure the columns don't really have any effect on it so it's like the next row over so when people do more complex map art 
you find it kind of towering into the sky in really odd shapes and it's a series of blocks that you think doesn't necessarily correspond to a specific shade of color until you look at the verticality the topography of the map as it's being displayed in your hand and you'll notice that there's actually some subtlety of the shading that you can work into it so it is a more complex art overall and i just went for a flat kind of pixel art style thing where the the most advanced thing i did was a little bit of shading uh, on the section un underneath the minecraft logo where there's that kind of 3d pop out that kind of extrusion of it and then um i did a little bit of dithering mm -hmm. kind of pixel art dithering kind of alternating uh pixels and that turned out really well for the shading on the minecraft logo itself and on the, and the actual writing um but yeah there's there's definitely people and if you if you use external tools to create map art a lot of the time you can you can feed uh like a a reasonably sized like jpeg or png file into something uh, like an online tool a web tool that somebody has put together and it will generate a map file that you can download and just copy paste into your world in an appropriate region that's not going to just delete something that you've already had right uh and then those will generate things with that like tower into the sky you know a few uh, yeah, tens of blocks up a lot of the time because they're trying to get that little perfectionist shading kind of thing going on and match the image as closely as possible huh that's really, really interesting. I've seen some of that stuff in, in like Reddit sort of builds and looked at like, I don't understand quite what's going on. I mean, I, I obviously it has some sort of function to it, but um, I imagine it's just a matter of like knowing either having, like you said, an you know, a program that does it for you. Or if you're doing it by hand, like you like you were doing, just knowing that one step down is like, you know, 10% or 20% more gray. Like it just it gets yeah. darker. And then I say, all right, well, if I want three, if I want three shades, I have to go down three steps from like Y63. So then I have to go 62, 61, and then 60 and, and stuff like that. Does it matter how high in the world you start or is it all relative? Like if you do map art, do you have to do it at, at ground level or could you do it high up in the sky? I'm pretty sure you can do it anywhere as long as you've got enough headroom to do what you want to do with, like you say, the shading. I, right. I built mine at ground level just because I didn't want to build a platform anywhere. But some people said, you know, why didn't you just build a platform out over the void where you're not going to use the terrain in future? Or, you know, why, right. why didn't you kind of just build a platform over the top of the landscape so you didn't have to do as much digging? And those are all valid approaches. I just thought it was kind of a fun thing to dig that out and then say well i could put all of this back if i wanted to because i've locked the map afterwards nice, so what, yeah. whatever happens to that region afterwards really doesn't matter i could blow the whole thing up if i wanted to well, uh, i'm probably not, not going to just because i like having it there in the world but oh yeah, yeah it was really good I've, i watched you fly over it it's cool to fly over and just see it in game let alone just yeah. see it on a map too uh, plus if you're going for something that has a white background then you wouldn't want to build in the void because then you'd have to put down so many more blocks right exactly building it's, in a snow it, biome I, is smart I, I worked it out. It was something like 16,350-something blocks total if you wanted to fill a 128 by 128 area. It's, yeah, again, it's a, it's a large number of blocks just to fill in the background, yeah. which is why I thought just doing it with snow layers was probably a smart move. Yeah, I don't have that kind of time. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> not, not at all. I'm having a hard enough time in the end as it is with this incredibly long, long water stream to the point where I'm realizing that the items are actually going to leave range <laughs> right okay uh, they're well, going to go outside of your like loaded chunks yeah so I, yeah. i'm going to have to test it to see if it it causes a problem um with the filters and stuff like that because i think at some point i might have to send them into a chest and then have yeah. the chest gradually spit things out which yeah. sucks because the whole idea was to not have 
so many um dropper clocks around constantly yeah, just clicking too many storage buffers and stuff yeah yeah so the idea was that i i had this old ender ender that was on the island and it served two purposes it was giving us ender ender pearls but it was also removing the endermen from the island they were trying to kill this endermite and leaving us alone uh and so that was helpful i've actually then i've since restored that so um endermen on the island are still pouring into this thing but the proper enderman farm that we have is now way off into the void so that nothing else around it loads except for the small spawning platform so you get up to like level like a mob cap in like 15 seconds or something crazy but uh while you're sitting there killing endermen the constant tick of the uh dropper spitting on ender pearls was driving me crazy so i mm-hmm. moved it 17 blocks uh to my left uh and then i have it spitting the ender pearls into a water stream that takes them all the way back into our system that eventually fill up a storage system in the end and then the overflow go back into the overworld so i spent uh, my last stream or two uh working on that uh over the void and it took a long time uh it's it's a lot longer than i thought you know like i mean i realize when i built the farm out there that it had to be like 128 blocks from the island but then when you're building a water stream you're just like realizing wow this is taking forever <laughs> yeah yeah um, especially if you're if you're coating the bottom of it with ice to help with like item transport speed and that kind of stuff yeah. like it's 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 great once it's all set up but setting it up in the first place is a real pain yeah and now thankfully only one block every eight has to be ice because items now float and they're so they're fast enough now in in just regular water streams that they don't have to there's no risk of them despawning yeah um, the only risk now is that um if you're at the ender ender and the the pearls are being shot into the background they are probably exiting render distance we have i think 12 chunks is the render distance on the server so i don't know that they'll get all the way up into the storage system before they're no longer uh being rendered in now what happens is that when I walk back to leave the Ender Ender, they'll load in and they'll continue on their way. The problem is that when they when they leave rendered space, they bunch up. So then there'll be a huge chunk of of Ender Pearls that I'm going up into the system. So we'll just have to make sure that we've got the right amount of hoppers and filters and things that can actually take you know um, a couple dozen you know Ender Pearls or more um flying across there um the good news is that if you're using the ender ender you're not there very long like if you're just repairing gear and you're not stacking levels then you're just you're only there for a couple of minutes so you're not yeah. going to get hundreds of ender pearls it's only going to be like you know maybe like i said a few dozen um I but i one of, one of sorry, my next project one of my next projects is definitely going to be to uh make my ender ender safer to visit <laughs> because oh, yeah. right now right now all i do is i spawn on one block above the void thanks to that end gateway that i kind of positioned out in the void and then i have to drop down from there either free falling or using my elytra onto a a carpet platform and there's no way to get back up without fireworks and i'm normally just going there to like repair tools and elytra and stuff but i'm like i need to maybe at least install like a safe elevator thing that i can use because it's always a little bit terrifying yeah, I've put in a um, I've put in a water elevator to get up, and I have a, a, a just a pure drop with a couple of vines at the bottom to get down. And yeah. the drop is so long that it actually feels like an elevator. <laughs> like you just yeah. you achieve max velocity, and you just maintain that for long enough that it feels like you're just going down a really fast ladder. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. um, but I actually found a use for purper, which I never build with. I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do for this the decoration of this um, Ender Pearl stream. 
and uh, because the Ender Farm or the Enderman Farm is made out of magenta glass and magenta carpet, just because I figured, well, whatever, I never use this color. I might as well do something fun. So I, to match the Enderman's eyes, I made it all out of magenta. And so I thought, well, what goes good with magenta? And originally I had put down quite a lot of just smooth stone slabs because it's easy and in slabs you get a lot for, you know, your material in. And so then I thought, you know what? I'm, I'm going to go purple. It actually looks better uh, because of the magenta. And it's the only only place that I've ever used purple is actually in this particular build. Mm-hmm. Um, but it um, but it's good because, again, like you've got slabs and stairs and, and I think even pillar blocks and stuff. So there's some options. So for me, as I as I complete this project and decorate the ender ender, I think I'm going to go full on purple. It's going to look weird and fun and just kind of like it's not next to anything. So it doesn't have to be matchy. It just it can be its own thing. It's going to be it's going to be a nice stretch outside of my normal comfort zone yeah i i need to find some places to use purple it, it is one of those blocks that i just don't find many opportunities to use and i've just built a pub uh, for the minecraft survival guide well for the town that i'm building and i kind of wonder if i can work that in somewhere maybe as like occasional like floor tiles somewhere or maybe a countertop somewhere that's got that kind of that kind of color because there's a lot of orange in there already and i think orange and purple kind of work they work well if used sparingly and t- to kind of create that color contrast and so i'm i'm thinking i might be able to use it somewhere in there but yeah it's it's one of those things that you just you overlook and dismiss a lot of the time because it doesn't look great outside of the context of the end typically the end no. already has that kind of that purple and and the the bleak sort of yellow moon rock vibe going on that that mm-hmm. works well with purple but not much else does yeah no absolutely uh, and the other thing that i've been doing actually was some minecraft related artwork i did a stream on friday and i was working on some images for you because Yay. you're a twitch partner now yes i am that's very exciting and uh it, generally speaking it doesn't mean that a great deal changes about my stream but i'm now yeah a verified twitch partner and um all of the stuff that that entails, including uh, the ability to have a bunch more emotes. <laughs> uh, but we're working on sub badges first, and so you're you're designing me some characters. Which, yeah, they aren't they aren't strictly Minecraft themed, but they've kind of got hints of Minecraftiness about them. They are all a little bit cubey, and yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to to seeing where those go. So expect those to pop up in in the near future. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun, uh, I, and like I said. Um... To you previously in, in another call i always really appreciate uh, working with you on stuff because it's, it's just fun to work with friends and and do yeah. like relate stuff that's going to help you know your efforts on twitch and and much deserved sir so congratulations i'm glad i'm <laughs> glad to see the yeah. green check mark it's uh it's 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 nice to see twitch and youtube both kind of like pushing forward so um so folks you can go check out pixel Rivers on twitch he won't plug it but i will <laughs> I'm, uh, t- I'm, t- I'm far too <laughs> humble i think to... <laughs> and while you're out there if you if you're curious at all the the vod from what i did it's only was posted friday so it'll be up there for another uh week and a half two weeks and if you want to kind of poke your nose in and just kind of see it I mean it's a couple hours you can just kind of fast forward through it and see kind of like what how things are developing it's just a bunch of loose sketches but i think we're going to have some like like he said some some subtle minecraft kind of undertones to it but for the most part it's just like fun cartoony twitch related stuff but i know that a lot of our audience kind of like would spend a lot of time on twitch doing various things watching all kinds of games i'm sure yes uh so enough about my news let's talk about the minecraft news shall we because it's (laughs) it's a fairly (laughs) it's a fairly light news week but we may as well get it out of the way 
Um, so the, the the main news point here we have is that there's still no 1.14.3. There was a pre-release, a pre-release 4, that was put out on June 19th, and we're expecting, as usual, for us to finish recording the show and then them to announce that it's getting released today. So keep your eyes peeled, folks. But uh, yeah, they've said in the blog post that they've now released the fourth release, uh, the pre-release of 1.14.3, and they aim to fully release it next week, which is now this week uh so we'll have to keep our eyes peeled and see if anything uh pops up personally i've been looking forward to this update because it feels right now like this is the version of 1.4 uh, 1.14 that people who have been a little bit hazy about it are finally going to step in and play um because so much has been up in the air and uncertain they've they, they've got like uh iron golem mechanics changing which hopefully this is the final iteration that we will see of them um the uncertainty around whether or not uh pig farms uh, pig pigman farms zombie pigman farms gold farms are going to be working or not and i think there is now enough information out there about how villager mechanics work and that kind of thing that people who were unsure about updating can be confident as for performance issues and stuff at this point who knows we can hope that that can get worked on as the uh the the weeks and months roll on if they aren't really resolved in this update and i was watching um sliced lime actually who is one of the moyang team uh he's one of, he was originally one of the developers on the bedrock version he was put in charge of the launcher team who have just put out like a, a a new beta version of the minecraft launcher for java edition and he says that he is now um going to be transitioning into being the tech lead for java and according to what Doc M said on Twitter a while ago, he's actually going to have veto power about whether future versions get released based on how well they're performing, just to try and uh, prevent something like the release of 1.14 having those massive chunk rendering issues and that kind of thing. Mm. I was watching his stream the other day, and he was playing on a brand new server in the latest pre-release, and he had a bunch of people playing with him. So obviously, like, new server, lots of people generating chunks all over the place, but... He was commenting on the lag throughout the whole thing, unprompted by his chat, and was saying, okay, yeah, we we need to take a look at some of this stuff. It's clear that, like, as far as server performance goes, this update really isn't where we want it to be yet, and we're not going to hold it off, because obviously people want certain mechanics to be finalized and stuff, but it's clear that server performance isn't where they want it. So coming from somebody who works for Mojang, they're very much aware of it, and they're not mm. going to just, you know, idly sit by and let this be how Minecraft is from now on, but it's going to be it remains to be seen how exactly that's going to be fixed and they're making progress i mean like 1141 yeah. was better than 14 142 which is what we're running now we're actually we're running yeah we're running a full 142 yeah. on on the citadel and i'd still get some lag but it's not nearly as often it's noticeable yeah. when it happens i move 30 blocks but it's it's not like every five minutes it's it's once once or maybe twice in a two-hour stream right like yeah. that's that's the kind of thing we're dealing with uh, and i want to be clear that we're not complaining um i'm i'm happy to wait for 114.3 if it's released and solid right mm -hmm. like i I'm, yes. I'm happy that they're taking their time i'm i'm happy that they know about all the bugs and that people are being really good about um sending in bugs i feel like i've seen the devs tweet a couple times like hey thanks for your feedback like we really appreciate you guys using the bug tracker you guys are doing great you know because i mean while it's not great that we have so many bugs it is also great that we are being told about them and we can um catalog uh, what am i looking for not categorize what am i what's the word i'm looking for catalog them and yes and and put them in a to-do list to to check off so yeah, yeah we, i'm looking have, forward to it we have recently had a couple of emails about 
uh, our previous statements on this podcast with regards to Mo Yang's openness and communication and stuff, and we haven't necessarily read those out on the show because they are they're kind of a complex topic to get into. Uh, but I feel like we may as well address it a little bit here. It's mm. it's the kind of thing where we're not necessarily going to shill for Mo Yang all the time. Like obviously they make a game that we both love, but we are not above being critical of them when we feel like they aren't communicating stuff particularly well. And no doubt, you know, that the the people who sent in this email were probably listening to this show from the beginning. And recently, I think we have come down harder on them for being less communicative, or at least shrouding their communications in a lot of unnecessary fluff. Um, especially with the 10th anniversary release and, and the kind of the, the changes in Minecon being called Minecon Live now instead of Minecon Earth and, and, and that kind of stuff. I, I think the difference really is that they are the kind of developers who rely heavily on players to report issues and so that line of communication is open whether or not they are communicative thereafter about mm, how mm-hmm. like how they are handling things and exactly what steps they are taking to resolve certain problems as and and, and it's kind of up to players to discover what moyang's fixes have then changed about the other stuff in the game like the recent changes to pigman farms for example i think the important thing there is that they are always receiving feedback from players and considering the size of the player base i imagine that feels like getting hit by a massive wave whenever one Mm -hmm. of these new updates comes out uh so and and considering that the java team in particular still operates out of the stockholm offices is still relatively small compared to you know triple a studio development teams even though this team is technically like part of the microsoft family now I think they are still relatively small compared to, say, Rockstar or you know any any of these larger people producing games of a similar scope. Mm-hmm. So I think it is really it's good that we still, as players, feel like we can make our voice heard in some fashion. I think that alone sets them apart from other developers in terms of their communicative ability. It's it's the fact that the the communication sometimes feels like a one way street but I don't think that's really the case. Mm-hmm. I think it's just difficult when there's two million people coming down one side of that one-way street, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, and I think too, with regards to stuff that we've mentioned on the podcast before and in some of the emails that we get, and by the way, folks, we read all of them. Uh, we don't have time to read them all on the show or even address them all on the show, which is a fantastic problem to have, but mm-hmm. know that your email is never ignored because it's actually, we read them all. Um, but, um, in, in a lot of ways too, with podcasts, if we went out of our way, every time we talk about Mo Yang or criticize Mo Yang to, to really come down and, and say, like, reiterate these issues, both sides of the coin communication versus not, et cetera, et cetera. Every episode, we just turn into broken records and it just takes yeah. that much longer. So while we might mention how much we are enjoying the communication with, with Minecraft or Mo Yang one episode and then criticize them like five episodes later. It's just so that we don't have to say both every single time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I find sometimes we'll get emails where people are just being like, Hey, we noticed this about your, you know, view on Mo Yang and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, I'm currently listening to episode 30 and I think, uh huh. Okay. Well keep listening. <laughs> cause, yeah. cause don't worry. <laughs> it'll, it'll change. Um, yes. and, and I think well, I've, I've done that before. Uh, one of my older podcasts, um, currently on a break right now is a uh, comics coast to coast. And I used to, there was always this little kind of joshy war between myself and my co-host Brian Dunaway about um, Manga Studio versus Photoshop. <laughs> and, and to the point where like I stopped 
ranting because Brian was, it was starting to be kind of a, like a fun little joke where Brian would mention Manga Studio and then he'd pause and he'd be just like, why, why do you stop talking? He's like, oh, I just assumed you wanted to rant. <laughs> just like, oh, okay, <laughs> all right, I'll stop. I'll stop repeating myself. Um, but it's one of those things where like, you know, in that industry, there's people that use one software and there's people that use the other and they're both perfectly valid. It's just a matter of what you prefer and what you can afford. And I think that in, in this kind of situation, the same idea, like they're both perfectly valid points, but if you're just always making them every episode, then it, we just turn into like a, a repetition loop that, that, that gets boring for listeners. Mm -hmm. But speaking of uh, the emails we've been receiving, uh, we oh, may yeah. as well dive into the chunk mail, which I know you've been uh, monitoring this week. Yeah, I've got one right off the top here from uh, from Aaron. But before we get into that, uh, a little programming note. Uh, speaking of emails that we, we get a lot of, we've been getting a fair bit of emails asking us questions regarding what we think about Minecraft 1.15. We don't know. Yeah. Short answer. We, we don't know. We have no idea. And and both Johnny and I have talked about it uh, on Discord uh, off mic, and we, we just don't feel that we can comment on it until... Mojang starts to share real news about 115 because otherwise we're just guessing like it's just, it's just yeah. complete it could be anything who knows and we, right when we've we've talked ad nauseum in the past I think about like speculation about what the last blog post said about the smithing table and fletching table getting functionality right. in the next update we've talked about what that implies about combat changing and we've speculated plenty about features that we would like to be added to the game in future. But as regards the actual content of Minecraft 1.15, it's another one of those things that's going to be a broken record if we bring it up every week. And mm -hmm. chances are, if you listen back through a few episodes, we'll have covered some of the stuff you expected us to talk about anyway. So yeah, my response to that would be like, you know, listen to a couple of previous episodes and you'll probably find us talking about this stuff here and there anyway. We can't dedicate an entire show to it because like Joel says, we'll just be talking about stuff we don't really know. So mm. there's nothing definitive we can give you in terms of an opinion until we know anything. But Minecon is really not that far away at this stage. It's coming up, I think, in September. Am I right about that? Something along those lines. Believe what, so, what, yeah. One of the months ending in Ember. Anyway, it's either September or November. I can't remember which. But uh, yeah, we, we, it's not going to be that long, really. We're almost in July now. It's not going to be long until we start hearing about Minecraft 1.15 anyway. Mm -hmm. So hold on to those questions because we will have plenty of stuff to discuss once we have a little bit more information. But until then, we'll probably steer clear of that kind of stuff until, yeah, until we know more. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree. Uh, anyway, uh, speaking of uh, feedback, uh, Aaron has written in, and uh, Aaron slash son of Ander, actually, to, to get the full Minecraft handle in there. Hi, Joel and Pix. I am currently listening to the Dungeons episode, and my immediate thought is to let players create custom dungeons and environments within core Minecraft that could then be imported into Minecraft Dungeons. Seems like this would be a super cool way to allow the two to interact, and custom maps are always hugely compelling. What are your thoughts? Cheers, Aaron. Uh, Aaron, thank you very much for the email very much appreciated and and cool that you are are interested in dungeons too we get quite a lot of email regarding core minecraft but i feel like we're going to be talking about both as as things go on yeah uh, which is very definitely. very cool um i feel like this seems to come up in conversations i've seen online about minecraft dungeons quite a bit uh Mo yeah. Yang has been clear that you cannot build as we know it in classical minecraft in minecraft dungeons it is just i use that in quotes just a dungeon crawler rpg set in the minecraft universe there is nothing wrong with that. I am stoked to try that out. Uh, but but it, I think adding building to it 
uh, would be incredibly complicated and, and not exactly what they want to do. Uh, it's an entirely different kind of game, uh, which I think is important to note. Uh, and it's from what I know from a little bit of the articles that I recall from reading around the E3 conference, uh, because the two games are built in entirely different platforms, engines, code base, I doubt they would be compatible. I, like, I don't see Bedrock or uh or java being compatible with minecraft dungeons yeah. i'm pretty doesn't it use like the unreal engine or something like that? it's just it's that a is, whole it's just a whole other thing that is what i've heard yeah i don't know quite what that means i'm not really that into kind of like the game development side of things but right. yeah it's it, it is most likely incompatible with the current version of minecraft that said obviously people come up with incredible tools to convert stuff like from java edition worlds into bedrock edition worlds and stuff like that but as far as we know, there is no customizable element to dungeons other than maybe a little bit of character creation. Personally, I miss the days of level editors from the stuff like the Tony Hawk skateboarding games, for example, where you could create your own skate park within the game and, and come up with like areas that you could do tricks off certain ramps and it would give you bonuses and that kind of stuff. Like There were some quite in-depth and fun editors and opportunities for sharing user-generated content you get stuff like little big planet now or um dreams on ps4 which is the thing um adam clark was talking about being able to kind of craft stuff in um a kind of uh more more creative space and create games within it and so forth um and i, I don't imagine it'd be possible to import a minecraft environment into minecraft dungeons but i would love for there to be a dungeon creator of some kind so that there could be user created elements to it to keep it fresh after even when the procedural generation of the levels has started to wear itself thin once you start to get a feel for the elements that are incorporated into each one i feel like having like challenge maps that are created by the community could help to keep it fresh mm. and that might keep a like the creative element that we're used to from the core minecraft experience without all of the problems of importing stuff from another version of the game besides which like think of the the technical ramifications of that because i imagine part of the reason that minecraft dungeons can be a nice self-contained experience is that the worlds are finite they are kind of enclosed into specific areas yeah how would you import an infinite world into that <laughs> from from normal minecraft like it, it would be a technical feat that i imagine they're not interested in investing any time and effort into because it seems like it would be impossible at this stage um having having some kind of dungeon creator though where you can use elements that they have preset for you where you can make sure like you know the dungeon door that you need the key for is over here and you have to go to this end of the level to get the key and there are various puzzles and traps that you can set up along the way that might be kind of fun and you know the, the stuff like mario maker where you can create Super Mario right. levels is is becoming popular, and there's a newer version of that coming out for the Switch. If not soon, then I think it's already out. Then, yeah, that kind of stuff has an audience. So I, I wonder if that might be the kind of thing that they could either produce after the fact as DLC or might even make it into an early release of Dungeons. I see it more as a DLC, more as a, like a, a later expansion down the line. It's like, and Maybe. now you can build your own Dungeons. I don't know. I'm I'm just, I would be happy just to play it. As it is. Yeah, personally, I'll, I'll be I'll be happy just to get my hands on it and yeah. see what it's like. But uh, I yeah, think it's I a challenge that they have that they're probably facing quite a bit is is the trying to change the perception of what Minecraft Dungeons is going to be because they've mm -hmm. not really shown a whole lot about it. Uh, yeah. Because everybody knows and associates Minecraft with building and creating and kind of sandboxing. Uh, yeah, that th they're going to have to work really hard to be like no. <laughs> That, that's yes. not what Minecraft Dungeons is about. 
Um, I, th- and I, think I think we're also we're also seeing Hightail having the same problem. Mm-hmm. Like you're, yes. you're seeing a lot of people just assuming that Hightail is going to be Minecraft, but with vertical slabs and more character customization in game and better. And I imagine people at Hightail are probably going to be thinking, well. It's nice to ride the wave of that, like that 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 kind of investment of people. If if they're expecting it to somehow replace Minecraft in terms of its its popularity and so forth, but they're probably going to have to put out some fires from people when they're like, actually, it's not as it's not as skewed towards sandbox gameplay as you think it is. For example, that yeah. kind of stuff. So, but that's and that's the kind of the trouble that that I think in some cases. Um, I'm not pointing any fingers, but in, in generally speaking, developers that release or announce too early and have very little to share, it just leaves so much to speculation, especially with existing IPs or existing genres, then it, then people just start to infer and set expectations from their own experience. Whereas if the games came out and, and delivered enough information to say, oh yeah, so it's not this, and it's not that. It's sort of like this, but we're still developing it. If they even just go that far and set kind of like some narrower expectations for people, then they're less likely to be let down, right? And yeah. I think that's something yeah. I do worry about with Hytale is, is is that you know that they've they've not said quite enough, and and in some ways it's it's a lot of people are putting them very high in the pedestals. Like, well, yeah. you got to play it first, you know, and I and I think um, I don't. Did we? I don't remember if we mentioned. Did somebody have hands on on Minecraft Dungeons? I thought someone did, maybe not. Um, but it's all going to be it's all going to be um, in the gameplay. Like the, I mean, it'll speak. I think the thing is, like, once you start playing a game and you realize what the limitations are of it, then it becomes very clear, right? Yeah. As to as to what what you can and cannot expect from it. Um, what I think I like about Minecraft Dungeons so much is that they have a I don't want to say low bar, but they have a a specific target. They're they're yeah. not shooting for the moon. They're not trying to make like some new kind of RPG. From what I can gather, they are making a dungeon crawler RPG. <laughs> like yeah, it's, expectation it's like set. A, yeah, it's it's like a tribute or a homage to sort of what Diablo what, three or whatever. Yeah, yeah Diablo and, and the kind of the kind of games that uh, probably some of the developers even grew up playing. That kind mm-hmm. of style of yeah. thing, the hack and slash combat focused stuff yeah it seems very precise i guess is what i'm Mm. getting at it seems it seems like it has a it has a very straight line ahead of it which i'm i'm Mm. happy for because i and and that alone has to be a challenge uh at moyang for under you know given how long they've been developing minecraft which is the exact opposite right yeah 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 Yeah. it's just this kind of sprawling mass of features at this point right uh let's move on to jacob's email because i like this one uh so thank you jacob for your email uh it says hey joel and picks you often talk about what you would like to see more of inside the game and rate the changes Mojang have made to new updates. Personally, I would like to see more multi-leveled features. For instance, create more endgame type items that improve quality of life, which would encourage the player to obtain them. For example, Sugarcane has multi-leveled features in a way to create paper and sugar, which can be used to create firework rockets, books, cakes, pumpkin pie, and can be used to trade with villagers. So there are many benefits and features of Sugarcane even at endgame. And this creates an incentive for players to go out and farm it, and it inspires players to build new cool farm designs. So I would like more items and features like this that have multiple levels instead of introducing new dead-end features. Thanks, Jacob. I like this concept, and this is something that I think we've touched on previously, but I would like to go over again. Because it does feel like lately we've been given 
a lot of new ways to do things that we could already do. Like the functionality that has already existed has now been given over to stuff like the new workstation blocks, for example. Like with a cartography table, you have the ability to clone maps. You could do that before. You can, you can now do it with a slightly fancier GUI, and as I mentioned earlier, cartography tables can lock maps, which is very cool. But that's one new function that's been added, and the rest of it has just been shifted over from doing stuff in a crafting interface to doing stuff in a different crafting table. And in some cases, the functionality still exists in the crafting interface. In the case of the grindstone, even, it's being put back. Um, so rather than being given something that does a whole bunch of new things, we are being given more ways of doing stuff that's already in the game. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. We are broadening existing features instead of adding new ones. But it does seem to be the case that they've they, they, they've started considering the features of Minecraft or the, the materials in Minecraft. It, do, it feels like they can't just add something new to those and then that's all the rage for a while and then they have to constantly be coming up with something else. They're kind of broadening out the scope of what we can already do with the stuff we have. How do you feel about this one? I feel like I've heard developers, I feel like even last year at, at Minecon Earth, Minecon Earth, I can't remember what they called it. Uh, when they add something to the game, they try to give it multiple uses. Like they just don't want it to be one thing. You know, whether yeah. it's a block or texture, they say, well, we want the texture to be used in this way, but hey, you know, like that could also work as potential wallpaper. You know, like I'm thinking about like coral, for example, right? If you used it in the right way, you could use it as a coral block or you could use it as wallpaper block or dead coral looks like stone in the ground. Like there's a bunch of different uses for that particular texture. But when it comes to like functionality and things like, like the sugarcane example that Jacob used, I feel like there doesn't seem to be... I guess as many multiple uses or if there are they're early game heavy and if you're a server that is updating and continuously moving forward you're already at end game so you're just like well here's an update that has all these new things that i don't have a need for yeah uh, because like jacob said they're not multi-level you know like you you may not need sugar so much from sugarcane uh, or pumpkin pie because you're already in game and you've got a chicken farm and you don't you don't need all that kind of stuff but you still need firework rockets so you still need to build a sugarcane farm if you don't already have one so if they introduced something new to the game uh, I would say a decent example of something new that does have multi feature is bamboo uh, and so you've got scaffolding uh, which pretty much everybody would need you know and want to use at any stage um, except me. Uh, <laughs> uh, I just don't happen to use it. I, and in my defense, I haven't found bamboo yet. <laughs> I, we, I don't have any, <laughs> so yeah. I, I, I can't even quite craft it. Um, but, uh, it is also a renewable automatic, uh, smelter fuel. So for those of people that are at Endgame that want to big build really large smelters, need to smelt a lot of materials for big builds. Um, they now have something that benefits them greatly. And it is, uh, it's something that you don't have to craft manually into blocks like kelp. Uh, you don't have to uh, be there um, to harvest them manually like, like um, not end rods, um, uh, what's the word? Uh, blaze rods. Uh, you don't have to be at the farm. You can just set up an automatic um, bamboo farm and feed it into your furnaces and it will do its thing. Uh, 
not terribly efficient, but that's the price you pay for having something that you don't have to be there to to manage. Uh, so that's I think is a good example of of a multi-tiered uh, a feature. I'd like to see more of that because uh, I find that I'm now struggling to figure out what kind of farms I want to build and what stuff I want to do moving forward in the game because I've been now playing on the server for two years and we're you know we're at endgame. It all totally depends as well on your style of play the kind of stuff that you like to do because we bringing up bamboo bamboo looks great in certain types of builds in particular like if you want to have bamboo in a potted plant in like an interior you can do that if you want to grow it outside like i've done in an area that is more kind of uh chinese and japanese inspired you can grow bamboo there and it just adds to the vibe and then yeah there are definitely a few things like I know we always rag on them, but tipped arrows are one of those things where, like, that really only has one use. And lingering potions have the same use as splash potions, but they create that kind of potion cloud. And there are things like that that sort of miss the mark in terms of, yes, they can be crafted into one thing or the other, but they have limited use. There's a fairly limited scope for them actually being part of the game. And then... Like, they're only really useful to combat-focused players. There's nothing you can do with Dragon's Breath if you're a builder. And I think the difficulty is always coming up with a feature that's going to make sense for everyone. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it's virtually impossible at this stage. Like, I was expecting bamboo to be part of the recipe for a crossbow as well, so that it contributed to combat in some way, which I don't think it really does. But it's also, yeah, the, you, you can't have a feature that really hits all four of the core groups here we're talking about like technical players explorers builders and combat people right um i'm sure there are probably many different subdivisions of those but those are what i think of as like the core sort of yeah there's there's, there's engineers there's builders there's explorers pioneers whatever you want to call yourselves and then there are folks who just like to fight you're not going to hit everybody with a new feature um Unless it's like you're you're redefining the game on the level of like, okay, this is basically the new wood because wood is required for basically every stage of the progression of the game. Right. Um, so, so yeah, like in terms of multi-level stuff, I think kelp is another good example. And it's strange to me, I think, that a lot of the examples of this are organic things because they are things that can be grown. Therefore, they are typically things that can be farmed. Kelp has the functionality of being able to create water sources, at least in the Java edition, which is very useful for creating columns of water. And uh, kelp is also a fuel once you smelt it and craft it into blocks. And it's also a food. And, you know, so there's there's different as aspects of the game that it touches on. But that is only one thing. And, and providing different uses for absolutely everything is added into the game if anything might be making it slightly too complex if you're if you're aiming to do that then you might hold yourself back a little bit and thinking well this doesn't also have a purpose for redstone people so maybe we shouldn't include it until we work out how this will help redstoners you kind of end up limiting yourself that way so well i yeah. think i think having i think that might be getting just a little bit away from where jacob might have been pointing was not so much that it has to have uh a use for every aspect of the game but every um progression so it might not have a redstone use but i think what what he was maybe getting at was that if for example potatoes right you can trade them with villagers you can eat them yourself you can cook them i think that's about it and then of course they're used to plant themselves and that's all there is to it as far as i know and i believe they're also food for villagers so you can use it instead of carrots or whatever um, people tend to use carrots i don't know why I think they grow faster. Um, but with potatoes, 
I mean, there's no real other end game benefit to them, right? Sure. Yeah. And yeah. and yeah. I can't see one either. Like, I don't necessarily know what you would do uh, outside of like you know creating a better food source or something. Like, if you were able to cook them in a way that that gave you like a higher saturation or something like that, which I, I know you can do baked potatoes, but I'm thinking like something beyond that. Um, but if you get into something like, um, I was trying to think of what an example that's that's grown. I mean, I, something that's that's uh, well, for example, what they've added to um, soul sand in, in one thirteen. So soul sand, you could grow another wart on it; it would slow you down. Um, but beyond that, there wasn't much of a use for it. You know, decorative. You know, looks like mud. You can put it underneath oceans and stuff like that. But now that it has bubble columns, that's something that people can use throughout all of like whether early game, end game. Once you have some, you can use it to great benefit. You know, whether it's a redstone contraption, you're moving stuff around. Whether it's just just an elevator to get up. You know, inside your your cave base or something. Yeah, and I think I think that's a good example of like adding a feature that is useful both in early and end game whereas yeah, i think so a lot of what they're doing right now or a lot of the things that they've been adding they're they're either useful early but not late or like you said with the cartography table they're so specific that mm -hmm. like you use it so seldom that it doesn't feel like a big add to the game you know yeah and i and i yeah. don't want to gloss over the fact we keep on bringing up profession tables uh hashtag you know note yes we know that they're used to make villagers do what they do and you know have them for resetting trades and stuff like that they're, that functioning is there as well we're not overlooking that yeah i i see what you mean though i think it's it's creating longevity within items and yes. yeah i i agree that it's good to have stuff that applies to every aspect of the game when considering new features because you don't want it to be all the rage and then for it to just like not really be part of the game like uh foxes are that for me right now i'm i'm effectively forcing myself to inject more fox action into the game like right right now i'm, I'm building this this pub and i i went out to find foxes specifically to bring them back to this place and have them around because they're in the game now but they don't really have much of a use as far as like you, you can you can breed them you have to breed them for an advancement and you can maybe use them to farm chicken and stuff like that as well if you want to, but they don't have much of an impact on either early game or late game, really. And there are other mobs that do. You're always going to want to eat steak or, you know, in terms of carrots, you're always going to want to farm golden carrots if you want, like, the saturation bonuses and stuff like that. And food is something that you need at every point during the game, but foxes don't really provide food for you. So they're not really uh, something that is... All that accessible as a as a feature they are just there to kind of be environmental fun and if you spend a lot of time at end game just kind of building up your base if your base isn't in a tiger you're not really going to see foxes all that much so yeah, yeah. I, I i can i can understand like the the impact it has on certain aspects of the game here and there it would be would be interesting and, and again like let's say as well campfires for example that that's another good one like campfires are great for cooking food early because you don't need fuel Right. So if you have you have one coal and a few logs and sticks, you can make something that will just cook stuff whenever you return to it. You don't need to worry about crafting a furnace, finding more fuel for that, that kind of stuff. But then, yeah, after you've acquired a large source of fuel, how useful are campfires after that point? Maybe you use them for aesthetic stuff, but then I haven't seen people overusing campfires for fear of particle effects lagging out the world and stuff like that. Yeah. So, yeah, they, they kind of 
they don't really develop much as you go through the game. Should they is the other thing. Like a campfire feels quite primitive. Is that something that you want to be using when you are the kind of all-powerful, flying around everywhere, diamond armor suited up, fire aspect sword wielding person? I don't know. And and that might be part of Mojang's thought process is that maybe there are some features which are designed to be left behind as you go. I understand that like the community mentality is that like everything should be super useful and I don't know if that's necessarily the realistic kind of way they want to go with it. Well, and I would argue that having the campfires um, particle effects being used aesthetically later on would be another function. Like I, I, I think that the function can kind of kind of straddle the gap between like cooking food and stuff early on. It's a great light source that you can use in your decorative builds in a fireplace that won't actually catch the rest of your build on fire if you have fire ticks on. Uh, but I've also seen people use it in the ground where like they hide the fire and it just looks like the ground is steaming mm-hmm. and it's really yeah. cool. And it provides a sense of atmosphere that you just could not achieve in Minecraft before. You'd have to put like floating glass panes in the air, which does not look at all mm-hmm. like it's a really, sus- you have to suspend your disbelief uh, quite a bit for that to work. And I think um, that that is kind of like their answer to like, well, it's not like end game useful but it does have more than just one thing that it can do um i've not really seen anybody use it for like you know the beacon effect of like the high smoke so that you can see it from far away i mean again it's a lot more aesthetically pleasing than building like what people call a noob pillar you know in Mm -hmm. your in your first in your first um base because if you're exploring and you can't find your way back then like you know having that big smoke signal would actually be quite useful but um but yeah like i think there are some examples where they kind of like they have some high functionality early on but then later on the only thing is aesthetic uses i mean the grindstone people are using that for like chains and wheels and like different things like that um i would argue too like something like a lantern is just a is a single single use kind of kind of item um but for me like i'm trying to think about what an example that would be like missing from Endgame, and really, like we're stuck. I'm stuck on aesthetics right now in my head. I mm-hmm. I would like you know more options for crops. So it's not like crops necessarily have to have more than one function, but it would not be nice to have more than one option. Like, do you want to do carrots, beetroots, or potatoes, or wheat? That's it. That's mm-hmm. all you've got. Well, what about like corn and like add some other things, maybe bring in some other colors so that people could decide, well, I, the last time I played, I made a potato in the carrot farm and that's how I felt fed my villagers. I'd like to do something different this time, you know, and have it look different and have, and maybe have, maybe they grow in different mechanics. I don't know, but I just, I feel like beets are the answer. (laughs) Become (laughs) become a beet farmer exclusively. That's your challenge. By the way. Yeah. Um, I, I, I want to cut the discussion short here because we want to get to our main topic, but yes. I have just been informed by somebody on Discord that Minecraft 1.14.3 has just been released. <laughs> so uh, I'll drop you a link in the Discord. We're going to do it live and <laughs> we're going to uh, going to very quickly take a look at the changelog because, I mean, thank goodness that we started the podcast an hour late because this would be after the time we were usually done recording. Yeah. But uh, it... Uh, a brief scan of the change log seems to indicate that basically it's just all of the stuff that we've already covered in the pre-releases. Uh, there are patrol changes. Iron golems now spawn differently. Um, yeah, farmers can spend more time farming. There seems to be improved performance and fixed bugs. A disable raids game rule. Um, saturation is no longer required for how did we get here. Lanterns can now be attached below iron bars and glass panes, but not on the side of blocks. Um 
and the enchanting system has been reverted back to how it was before 1.14 so no more stacking protection on armor no more infinite piercing enchantments turning up in the enchantment table hopefully and you can craft together items using the uh, crafting grid in your inventory instead of just having that functionality available in the grindstone that seems to cover most of it and that's all stuff that we have seen before there might be a few fixed bugs here and there that weren't covered in the previous pre-releases but uh yeah i will i will let you guys check that out we will try and leave a uh, a link to that in the show notes as well so that people can peruse it at their leisure and if anything pops up throughout the week we'll probably come back to that in uh the next uh the next podcast which will be on july 1st and that's probably going to be a round table as well so whoever depending on who our guest is we might be able to get their thoughts on 114.3 as well mm-hmm yeah, no, I mean, and <laughs> I actually had a joke, which we didn't address earlier on in the news segment, which was like, we'll have to keep our eyes peeled to see if they release true form in the middle of the show. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it's yep. kind of funny that they did this. Uh, it happened. It happened. Well, I mean, now instead of us just reading a list and speculating, you'll the next time we talk about 114.3, we'll have some time in game to yes. to convey our, our thoughts. Uh, but some speaking of, of end game stuff... Uh, I had was bouncing this around as a potential roundtable topic, but when we flipped the tables this week and decided to just do a regular show, uh, we decided to keep this topic, which I, I appreciate because I think it's a, an interesting thing to look at. Uh, the end. What could Moyang do to improve the end and our experience there uh, as players, I mean? Uh, and this, I have to give a shout out to Cameron in our Discord, who's a very active member. Uh, the, this conversation was inspired by a mod called the Endergenic Expansion, which is currently in development. Uh, the mod suggests a lot of changes to the end, and Cameron is a part of that. He's, he's working on it with some people. He's actually learning how to mod, which I think is admirable because I can barely code like <laughs> resource packs in Java. So a mod is like so beyond me. Um, but they sh- he shared some some screenshots and it was very, very cool. Uh, so if you're in our Discord, check out what room is it called, Pixriffs? Is it mod minded? It's mod minded, yeah. Yeah, it's, check it's out that room and, and 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 talk to Cameron about it because he, he likes to talk about it and, and and they're obviously putting in a lot of hard work on it. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the things that it just kind of had my wheels spinning about like what potential changes or improvements do you, you know to that could be done to the end that could make the experience better because right now it is pretty bleak like i mean i and i get the idea that it's supposed to be kind of like a barren wasteland and kind of spooky mm-hmm. and stuff but it does after you've been there it's kind of like okay <laughs> this is no longer very exciting um and one of the first things that comes to my mind is to retexture or color end stone and end stone brick to be something that you could use with other blocks in Minecraft, like just like we were saying at, with Jacob's email, there doesn't seem to be multiple uses for end stone and end brick, mm-hmm. right? Like it looks okay in the end, but that's it. And so to have it be either a different color, different texture, to be able to do something with it, like smelt it or combine it with another material in the overworld to create something else. Uh, I think that would be really cool. Like take, for example, uh, if I'm not mistaken, I believe that the endstone brick has got a different brick kind of layout than most other bricks. They're larger, if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah, it's kind of like stone brick. It's almost like an inverted kind of stone brick texture. But I right. think even the the shapes of the bricks are ever so slightly rounded at the corners, maybe. Yeah. So there's there's a little bit of variation in it there. Right. So if you could combine that, you know, with an existing um, block again kind of more end game stuff like you know we all know how hard it is to gather enough clay to make clay bricks and red bricks but what if you combined uh 
and stone bricks and regular bricks. And then you got a red version of those big round bricks like you'd see in, you know, cities and stuff like that. So then you'd have yet another building texture to work with in the overworld. But it's not something that you can get day one. Like it's something that you really, well, no, say can't. Most people don't. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but like, so that kind of thing I think would be uh, interesting to to help out in terms of just like, you know, improving a material that there is a lot of in, in the end. And it could be really put to, to better use. Uh, one of the things that I see as a quick fix in a lot of people's custom texture packs is changing the hue of end stone and end brick to match sandstone. So then you can use it in all of your desert builds and just have like a, yet an additional texture uh, to, to your sandstone stuff, which I think is, is, it's a quick fix for people that want to kind of use it. The tr- problem is there, if you're on a multiplayer server and someone comes by and they're not using your texture pack, then it looks real weird, uh, with this kind of yellowy banana, um, end stone in your middle of your sandstone build. Um, to me, the end is really barren. Uh, and I think there'd be an excellent opportunity. And this is very much inspired by stuff I saw from Cameron's, uh, the mod that he's working on, uh, is unique and weird flora and fauna you're not stuck with trees and rocks and grass and water like you could do anything in in the end with different kinds of plants or animals or just weird stuff uh a good example of course is coarse fruit that's weird (laughs) but i Mm -hmm. there needs but it's everywhere and there could be more of it or different kinds of it different colors of it i don't know uh just different kinds of things uh people complain a lot about like purple not being that useful well what if you could make different kinds of purple? Like what if there were different kinds of chorus plants, red chorus plant, green chorus plant, and then you could make different kinds of, well, we won't call it purple because then it wouldn't be purple. I guess green, green or, or, or red, red. <laughs> I will absolutely build with some red, red. <laughs> right. Uh, so stuff like that, I think would be really, really cool. Uh, and of course, more blocks this is now pushing into like okay this takes a lot more thought and a lot more kind of like balancing out but i think like end specific minerals and ores like you know for example you can only get quartz in the nether well yeah i think having like an end or or a more specific reason to go to the end dig around and explore around rather than just flying over islands until you see an end city land raid move on like there needs to be more i think to keep you there and to have it be more fun to explore like even even just changing a lot of the textures and stuff like that because uh, i believe you pointed this out either on a stream or maybe even a, a survival guide video where if you look at the biome designations in the end there's different biomes yep yeah there are like end barrens and end highlands and i think there there are certain ones where that's where you'll find end cities generating and there are some areas where chorus plants don't grow specifically i think that's the barrens because that would kind of be the clues in the name there but yeah there are designated biomes it's broken up into different stuff but like you said there is not much you can expect from each of them in terms of availability of materials or any kind of variety because it's all made out of the same stuff yeah and i feel like if you are mining in end islands you'd have to be really careful like it's not just about watching out for lava you'd have to watch about mining through the bottom of this thing and falling yeah. out with all of you're your cre- inventory you're creating an element of risk reward if you're asking people to dig down and the void is below them yeah, yeah exactly right so there, it, it could be you know worth it or it could not be worth it people might you know it, it'd be something that you'd have to think about not just go blindly through like people just choose y level 11 and just blitz right and they'll they're more than off off, more than not they're safe right um, yeah. so th- those are the kind of things that come to mind uh, Johnny what about you like what would you do if you had the power to improve the end 
So um, let me let me start by saying one thing, one smart thing I think Mo Yang did with the end is chorus plants because. I feel like that st- stuff like that is the answer to people asking for more ores. They you give them materials that they can use which aren't necessarily just metals that you dig up out of the ground. I yes. think the difference between chorus plants and ores is that ores are finite and you can only acquire blocks of them and they can't be to- uh, taken back to your base and farmed whereas chorus plants can because you can plant them on endstone any any dimension you like and it will grow. So I think maybe having some kind of resource that if, while not necessarily it doesn't have to be like a mineral that you find buried in endstone because that just feels repetitive now and mm. i feel like they they want to break out of that formula of this is how you find materials because it's the first thing any technical mod does is like we've got a copper ore and we've got a tin ore and we've got a you know uranium ore and that kind of stuff and it all just starts to feel very much the same so i think with the end they they have the opportunity to bring in some kind of like you say interesting flora and fauna you have some things that can only generate in the end maybe but you 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 can go further and further to find them but they are still not necessarily mineral based the thing about chorus plants is you know the fruit itself heals hunger points has the functionality being able to teleport you a short distance although that's not really predictable but it can be useful um and then it like ores you smelt it into something which you can then use as a building material either to make end rods or purple blocks or whatever regardless of how you feel like purple blocks are useful i think that's an important aspect of them in the same way that you can smelt iron ore to get iron and then iron is used for a wider variety of things but we don't want to build pickaxes out of chorus fruit you know yeah um and i should make a point that purple for me is subjective there's lots of yeah, people out there yeah, that yeah. love it yeah i'm sure and and yeah i think it's it's interesting to see them do stuff like that and find solutions to we want more materials that we can you know craft stuff out of and build with without it just having to be like a different type of earth metal that you dig up um so i'd like to see them do stuff with that but maybe stuff that is limited to the end dimension um i would like there to be some more tweaks to the way stuff behaves in the end some some more kind of like oddities and quirks of the end to make it different from the overworld one of the things that fascinates me about the end is that there isn't any skylight and so if for example you have some frosted ice that you've created by walking near water using frost walker boots that doesn't naturally melt like it does during the day in the overworld because there is no sunlight it's like being permanently underground or it being permanently nighttime except as i demonstrated with my end city village there are you know there's still technically a a day night cycle happening in the background the game time is proceeding on i would love to see weird stuff like that happen like physics in the end not quite making sense compared to the overworld say this is just a a very specific example but imagine if you plant coral in the end and it doesn't die there even if it doesn't have access to water like the end feels like it's somehow in stasis Mm. as far as life goes stuff like that i feel like that would make it a little bit more inviting for players to go there and build in a way that doesn't just involve putting more stuff there that they could then just raid and take back to their base the other thing the other way you do that is to create better transport solutions as you go further and further out into the end because when you're searching for end cities you always have to start from the middle go out to one of the gateways and that is as far as you can teleport from there you're on your own which i get is also part of the fun and the danger of doing stuff in the end is first you've got a bridge and then you've got to use elytra 
But that's what makes it more and more difficult for players, especially on multiplayer servers, to go out and find those end cities and get more elytra and shulker boxes and that kind of thing. They can't establish, like, a portal out there that they can go back to easily. It's always a matter of, like, you know, if, if you wanted to, I guess you could build a minecart track that goes out there, but that would take years. Mm. And I imagine some people have done that because that's what this player base is like, but that doesn't seem like it should be the solution. Something like nether portals that take us to and from the nether. I've had people ask me, can you create a nether portal in the end? And of course you can't, and it makes sense why, because then how would you know if the portal from the nether was supposed to go to the overworld or the end when you hooked it up, you know? Mm -hmm. So I would like there to be some means to transport yourself out to a place that you'd already visited. You could put down like an anchor or something there that would take you back. There are mods that do this with waystones and things like that, or even, you know, more sophisticated tech mods will have, like, an actual teleporter that can take you out there. But I feel like there can still be an in-world solution to that, a slightly more magical solution in the same way that you have stuff like conduits and beacons and the end gateways themselves. I kind of want end gateways to be more than just a one-way street back to the main island. And I don't know how you would do that with those gateways, but maybe there's something else they could implement that works in a similar fashion, or a player-placed waypoint that links one end gateway from the central island out to one that generates maybe further afield. Yeah, and I mean, even yeah, having I, even having portals, like even building an obsidian portal in the end, and instead of it lighting up, you know, purple and going to the nether, maybe it lights up blue and it takes you to wherever you put the next one, you know, or, yeah. or line of sight. You know, like it has to be, <clears throat> maybe it only has a range of like 128 blocks or something like that. Like it only goes as far as the render distance. So, so you have to do little hops, right? Stuff yeah. like that could make, could make it fun, you know, and challenging too, because like you've also got like, well, is your hop going to put you on a nice big fat end island or are you, are you going to be on a four by five, you know, in the middle of nowhere, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah. And one other thing I'd like to see is more in the flora and fauna category, I guess the end feels like the the kind of endless void of space but it also with chorus plants and stuff now feels sort of like being underwater it feels like a deep ocean trench with these kind of tendrily plants reaching towards the sky almost like a fish tank whenever i'm i'm flying through the end it kind of feels like i'm swimming through a fish tank of some kind Mm. and so taking the cue from some bioluminescent stuff in our world like anglerfish for example like that's what i would love to see in the end it the whole vibe of the end could be very kind of like 80s inspired almost if you imagine like the kind of <laughs> like the, the the color the color scheme they're working with it, it could feel quite retro and if you add some like neon lights and stuff into that somehow that aren't just end rods this goes back to my my other favorite suggestion for minecraft in future which is colored lighting like having some kind of like weird purple glowing fish swimming around in the void or something like that would be pretty cool or like yeah if you if you if you think of it as space then some kind of like space whale type of thing which is is a pretty like you know hard sci-fi concept a star trek kind of thing that you might encounter but those are always really interesting like creatures made of light in those kind of shows and i would love to see something like that in the end i think it would fit in really well with the aesthetic the end already has yeah i i'm okay with the challenge in terms of the number of mobs and like how dangerous it can be with all the endermen but I, at the same time i kind of wish there was a more like you said a, a higher variety of mobs like do they all have to be endermen could you could we switch them into something else mm-hmm. uh to, to make it a little bit more interesting i mean i know we've got shulkers but that's they're less of a they're less of a mob you run into out in the world because they're they only generate in in 
um, end cities. Uh, yeah. So like having another mob, whether it's a flying mob, although I think I know they tried that with the phantoms. Originally, the phantoms were in the end as well. And people were just like, nope, do not like being knocked off into the void constantly. Yeah. Thank you very much. We're not going to do that. And so I can appreciate that kind of a mob, like an aggressive type mob. But if, if it was something like, um, like say a cow or, or I mean, not specifically a cow, but a cow-like mob where it would be passive unless you messed with it. Like, we'll say, mm-hmm. uh, um, zombie pigmen would be a good example, except for we don't want more zombies in the game. But like, you know, they're passive unless you screw with them and then, then they come after you. Uh, similar yeah. to how endermen kind of like don't bug you unless you look at them. Uh, but having something kind of like majestically floating around that you don't have to worry about unless you decide to shoot it would be cool. It would be atmospheric. Maybe it has a specific drop. I mean, then you get, but I guess, I guess you get into that whole thing where like once it's got a drop and once it has a use, people are going to find a way to farm it, which is not a bad thing because it's gameplay. But then you're like, well, this passive majestic light creature is now being harvested by the player base. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's a pr- pretty, pretty cutting social commentary at that point. I yeah, guess. But, yeah, uh, yeah. But yeah, there's always potential for stuff like that to be added and it contributes to the sense of wonder you might feel. And I think some kind of floating creature like that would work perfectly out in the void where effectively like the only other flying creatures in the game are phantoms and the ender dragon Mm. and i I feel like it there is space out there for something like that and also if you're gonna fight it it adds to the challenge of like you know being able to having to lure it out over an island or or, you know if it's gonna drop something from it when when it eventually gets killed then you have to dive down with elytra and risk potentially like you know getting sucked into the void and and dying mm. there if you want the drops you either have to like be very tactical about how you maneuver it or you know you you just end up like nose diving into the void to try and pick up whatever rare thing this thing drops i don't know like there's there's elements of that that can be incorporated into it i would just like to see them take it in a a slightly more colorful direction rather than it just being oh yeah bleak it, bleak and endless landscape very monotone i mean i honestly at this stage i would be happy with just some different blocks and trees and even kinds of just colors because just flying to different end cities at least you'd have something to look at as it goes by right like underneath Mm -hmm. you'd be able to say oh look it's kind of like an end version of a mountain and this looks like a swamp thing or you know you can have all kinds of really cool floating island stuff with maybe i mean maybe the water's a different color in the end and it just it's like pink and it flows off the edge of islands like real floating islands that you see in in like bedrock stuff in bedrock edition water in the end is purple tinted is it really? It, it, oh. They've actually done it that way, yeah. Whereas in, in, in Java edition, it's blue. And I, I got a couple of comments about that on my building a village in the end because I was pointing out that water still works like it does in the overworld rather than like not being able to place it like you can't in the nether. Hmm. And and people were like, your water's blue. That's weird. I'm used to it being purple. And I was like, oh, okay. That's another one of those changes, which you could, again, probably easily do with the texture pack. Oh, yeah, you totally could. Like, sure. Once you figure out yeah, where yeah. the color map is, like I, I kind of want to do that now. That's my afternoon yeah. project after, the, after we're done the project. Sounds I, good. I kind of want to right. magenta water. I'm going to go right left field and just have like bright, crazy water. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> we can we can we can become the change we want to see in the end. But uh, <laughs> I think that's probably going to do it for this episode of the Spawn Chunks. Thank you guys so much for listening. You can find more information about the show and links to some of the stuff we've talked about today at thespawnchunks.com. The music for the show was composed by me, and the Spawn Chunks is proud to be a listener-supported podcast. If you get some value out of the show, why not consider putting some value back in? You can visit Patreon.com/slash/thespawnchunks to join our community, which is currently sitting at 111 patrons. Pledging at any level will get you an 
invites to our patrons-only Discord chat and get us closer to our next milestone goals. And I want to say a special thank you to our content engineer patrons, JD Williamson, Pagissos, and Yitz for supporting this episode. We appreciate you all so much. Sharing the podcast with your friends is the easiest way to support the show. You can find us at The Spawn Chunks on Twitter and Instagram, but a personal recommendation is always the best way to share the podcast. Just poke a friend in the arm and say, hey, this is good. You should listen to it. We had an email the other day saying just that, and someone that had found Pixel Riffs had brought someone else into the game, and then the the person that was introduced to Minecraft found the Spawn Chunks and went back to the person that gave them Minecraft and said, you should listen to this. So it was it was like this double poke in the arm back and forth with Pixel Riffs and the Spawn Chunks. So if you've enjoyed the show, really, really, really does go for a long way to just tell folks about it because it costs you nothing and it, it just helps more people find the podcast. You can email us, let us know what you think about the end, how you might change it and how you feel about 114.3 by the time we talk about it uh, next week. And that is at thespawnchunks at gmail.com. You can find us on iTunes, Android, Stitcher, and Spotify, and of course on Patreon, where you can download the Patreon-only RSS feed. That is where you can listen to the render distance, the extended version of the podcast. My name is Johnny, but online I go by Pixel Riffs, and you can find most of what I do at youtube.com slash pixelriffs, where I attempt to make sense of this crazy and wonderful game in a series called the Minecraft Survival Guide. I stream three days a week on Twitch, where I'm now a partner, and I'm doing behind-the-scenes work for the Minecraft Survival Guide there. I am also the voice for the unofficial Hermitcraft recap, which you can find through a quick YouTube search. And aside from that, I'm at pixelriffs on both Twitter and Instagram. Joel, where can people find you online? Everything I am doing online, including my illustration and design portfolio, is at joelduggan.com. You can also follow me at joelduggan on all of the social media that matters. I'm going to point you towards Twitch, which is where I do a lot of the Minecraft stuff that I do, as well as art. I've been doing a lot of art on uh, on Twitch lately as well, and that's always a good, a good hangout. I actually had uh, someone that was watching be inspired to draw along with me the other day, which was really, really heartwarming and glad to, uh, to share that experience with someone. It's always really fun. Uh, beyond that, I do one other podcast. It is called The Citadel Cafe, and it is on Wednesday nights. You can check that out at thecitadelcafe.com. Thanks for visiting the Spawn Chunks. The world outside is infinite until the Endermen steal all the grass.